Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I'm Sir Richard Poshingham from Poshingham's Extra Fine. Wait. Hey, Sir Richard. Mark Tapper, come in here for a moment. Did I hear correctly a few weeks back? Something about you selling a car to open Tappers? The Cutlass. It was my father's car, his pride and joy. Howard sold that car to finance the first Tappers jewelry store. The business you now operate? Yes. So it all worked out? I guess so. Well, jolly good then. Back to... Wait, it didn't work out. But you said... His sacrifice created a successful family store, but... But? But he still lost his car. I should find that car. Buy it back for him. Surely you'd never find it. Would just take time, effort, sacrifice. He taught me those things. All that trouble to find a domestic? (laughs) You wouldn't understand. Tappers! Tell us your story. I'm Mark Tapper, and if you know where I can find a 1976 Oldsmobile Cutlass, drop me a line at tappersjewelry.com. Welcome back to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young here alongside Stephen Semple. And we're talking about empires and, you know, the brand name that you whispered in my ear just before we started the countdown to record here. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I've heard of it. I never thought of it as an empire, but let's chase this rabbit into the woods and see. Jenga. And we're talking about the game, right? The little wooden pieces and you stack them up and... Yeah. You take one out and you put it on the top and you stack them and you... And the uh-huh. loser is the one who makes the tower fall down. Makes the whole yeah. thing topple. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever played a complete game of Jenga. Oh, well, next time we get together, we are going to go to the store and we're going to buy a game of Jenga and we're going to crack some beers and we're going to play a game. <laughs> I know it. I know at uh, at the Fang and Feather on the Wizard Academy campus, they have a way oversized, uh, and it may not even be Jenga brand, but it's almost like two by four pieces that they that they play with. Yeah. Like, it's actually become a, a a word that's that's entered the the vernacular. Because you you look at things and you're like, oh, well, this is like a big, big Jenga thing. Or unraveling this problem is like a a big Jenga puzzle. And it's interesting because when I did say it to you when we were doing the countdown, you you made a comment. You made a comment going, well, you know, I don't didn't really think of it as being an empire. Well, here's how big it is. It is in the history of games. It is number three in terms of games sold behind Monopoly, Scrabble. And then Jenga, they have sold 80 million units. What does it cost for a Jenga game? Oh, I don't know. I didn't check into that. I'm not sure what that, I I didn't even look into that. It's literally a game that if you know somebody with a table saw and a sander, you could make it, right? It's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, so the game was invented by Leslie Scott. And as I said, when you are the third largest game in the history of mankind, that's a pretty big deal. And like a lot of empire builders that we've come across, she had no background in games. She had no background in her industry. In fact, she worked for Intel. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So in 1982, she finishes boarding school. She grew up in Africa and she returns home to UK and she's living with her mother. And her younger brother loved playing with blocks. He's uh-huh. five years old and he loved playing with blocks. So they would play together with these wooden blocks that she had brought back from Africa. 
but you got kind of bored with just stocking them up. So they would create new games instead of just stocking the blocks. And Leslie suddenly had this idea of taking away a block at a time. And they played around with this and the game started to evolve and they started to create rules. And they started testing how unstable can you make the structure playing with these different bricks. Yeah. And of course, they decide the loser is the one where it makes it all fall down. So really, this started off as a way to entertain a five-year-old. Nice. And Leslie, as I said, worked at Intel. She sits on this idea for eight years before she realizes the potential. She's working in Intel and marketing, and her job is to basically explain to people what microprocessors are. This is in the really early days of computing. This is the 80s. She discovers the perfect icebreaker for getting people talking is she would bring these blocks in and she would play this game with customers. She started bringing it to work. And colleagues oh, wow. started asking her to do this with their teams and their customers. Nice. Right? So, so she decides she's going to make it a game. And the first thing she needed to do was decide on the name. And her mom grew up in East Africa. And so they landed on the name Build, which in the, the native tongue, and I forget which African tribe it is, sorry, is Jenga. So Jenga okay. actually literally means Build. But she loves working at Intel, and she's doing really well there. She's climbing the ladder. And this is a big deal when she decides to leave Intel to sell these bricks. Growing industry a leader in the industry, doing well, getting promotions. And she decides, nope, I'm going to go sell these little wooden bricks. Yeah. So she decides she's going to apply her marketing skills that she developed at Intel and apply them to the bricks. She's all in on Jenga. And as I said, she's not a game maker. She's got a communications background. Yeah. One of the first things she realizes is this cannot look like chopped up wood. She needs a design element. So she changes the size, she has them made, and they're all perfect. Like you were saying, it was like, well, I don't want it to look like it was something that was made that yeah, anyone could yeah. make. Here's the problem. When you're playing Jenga, one of the things that you do, since you haven't played the game, David, I've got to explain it to you, but you've probably noticed this, is when you build Jenga, you'll notice people tap the bricks. They're looking oh, you're for- you're looking for one that's slightly smaller? Yeah, or yeah. You know, that, that you can wiggle out. Well- when they're all perfect, it's rock solid. They stick. Yeah, hard to play. Hard to play. She realizes is the magic in the game was all these bricks were handmade. They're all slightly different sizes, and it's the imperfections mm. that make it work. How do you now mass produce a game where you need imperfections? So what they do is they redesigned it, and what they realize is run it through a tumbler. Oh, okay. So a tumbler will create all these little, tiny, hardly noticeable imperfections that are just enough that you can now find the brick that you can tap out. They're going to be more or less susceptible to, to the, the erosion of a tumbler, whether the end grain is, is stacked up, uh, like if it's vertical grain versus, yeah, um, I'll, I'll go way way into the woods on this let's not do that and the interesting thing is even when you see people make their own sometimes it doesn't work as well and what you really got to do is take out a hammer slam some of them around and it'll actually make for a better yeah. Jenga game the whole point is it actually has to be slightly imperfect but she geniusly found a way that when you look at the jenga pieces they all look exactly the same you don't it's not yeah. like you can see the imperfections but they're they are there so she takes out a 20,000 pound loan, she's UK, so it's pounds, and makes 200 sets of Jengas. 
and takes them to this massive toy fair that happens every year in London. She takes out a booth and she's going to strike it big. She sets up a bunch of Jenga games at the trade show booth. And guess what happens? Nobody plays. Zero orders because no one plays. They look at it and they go, is this building blocks or a game? No one understands what it is. And a year later, still no interest. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. That doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well... It's frustrating and depressing, and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him? How? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. Right after you call Steven. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. She's slogging away at this. Her mom sold her house. Things are not looking good. Oh Leslie's car gets repossessed. In 1985, she does this grassroots tour of the U.S. where she takes this game around, and still nothing. Three years after leaving Intel, she's still trying to get it to market and is like literally just about bankrupt. So I said, mm-hmm. mom sold the house, car's been towed away, and she gets a call from Irwin Toys. And Irwin Toys at this time is the largest toy company in Canada. And they had come across one of the sets that she left behind on her U.S. tour. Okay. Here's the problem. They don't like the name Jenga. They don't like the name Jenga. They wanted to call it something different. But she knew the name would make it stand out. Mm-hmm. She felt that the name was really, really important. So imagine this, you've been slogging away, right? You've been doing this for years. Your car's been repossessed. Irwin Toys calls you and says, Dave, we want to sell your toy in Canada, but we want to change the name. How Mm. many people would say, no, I'm not going to give you the rights. You got to take the name. She turned them down on their name change, right? She turned them down on their name change, but they did come back to her and say, Okay, we'll do it under the name Jenga. I don't know whether I would have held firm. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> does that really matter? And and honestly, once people play it and have fun with it, does it matter what it's called? I guess. I, I mean, I think I think she's turned the word Jenga into a household word for sure. She certainly has. I'm, I'd like to know what they wanted to call it. Yeah, you know, I was not able to come across that. I don't even know if they got to not that. Jenga. I think it was j- not Jenga, I think. <laughs> but, you know, I got to admire her for that's a hard moment to stand yeah. that firm. So she held firm. They kept the name. Irwin took the toy to the Toronto Toy Fair. But here's the thing that Irwin understood that she never figured out is you needed to demonstrate it being played. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the big thing Irwin did was demonstrate the playing of the game, and suddenly people understood it. Irwin, at that toy fair, sold 80,000 copies in three days. 
Now, here's wow. the interesting thing is at the time in Canada, for a toy to become a bestseller, you had to sell 10,000 a year. They sold mm. 80,000 in three days. Today, it is the third bestselling game of all time. It's an amazing story. And you know, wow. I'm happy she kept the name. But the lesson here is, to me, there's a bunch of things that she had to learn in, in developing the game. But her blind spot was somehow she never really figured out that to sell this game, it wasn't just about showing people the game, is that it really is the demonstration of the playing of the game. And not even just telling people how it's played, but having them play it. And somewhere along the lines, clearly she didn't do a good demonstration of that. And maybe part of her blind spot is she came from Intel and she was a communication expert at Intel. Mm -hmm. And you don't demonstrate a chip, you explain a chip. Right. And I don't know whether that was her blind spot, but I wonder. Because as soon as Irwin Toys picked it up and demonstrated it, it blew up. Yeah. I just looked on Amazon. It's 12 bucks. Original Jenga. Okay. $12. Okay. Right. I think that's a, a, one of their discount things, but, but still, it's not. Not hugely expensive. Not hugely expensive. And for 12 bucks, you go, well, I couldn't, I couldn't do it myself for that. You're going to go and buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there are also some really expensive knockoffs and upgrades and things you can do. And they've created other versions of it. Like there's a Las Vegas version, which has got a, like a roulette wheel attached to it. You know, and they've done some branded ones where there's certain sports teams and things like, yes, there's, and there's yeah. these limited edition ones, like anything, right? You're going to do a bunch of, you're going to do a bunch of other things along that lines. But this whole demonstration part got me really thinking. A lot of businesses, I think, struggle with the same idea where they need to figure out how to better demonstrate what it is that they do. Uh huh. You know, and it got me thinking about a client of our partner, Roy Williams. Gettle air conditioning. So where am I going with this? You're going, Gettle air conditioning. And one of the things I loved was Gettle would talk about how a lot of people when they service an air conditioner don't put all the screws back in and you put right. the cowling on because it's a pain in the neck and that they do. Well, how do you demonstrate that? Well, what they would do is any screw that was not replaced by the previous person, they replaced it with a red screw. Mm -hmm. So now every time... A customer walks past that air conditioner or even all the technician has to do is take a look at that and immediately there's this demonstration of the extra work you did by these red screws. Simple demonstration, right? Mm -hmm. And it has less impact. We can sit there and say, oh, let me show you. I put this one, this one, this one. It's just like, hey, let's just go check it out. I replaced a bunch of screws. Immediately the customer sees the three that the last technician you know, didn't replace that you know, Gettle now did simple demonstration. And I think one of the things that companies need to step back and figure out is how can you demonstrate? Now, how do you do it as a services business? We run into the same situation. How do we demonstrate our expertise? Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of the reason why we do the starter session. So people have heard us advertise the starter session. The reason why one of the things someone has to do is fill out the scorecard and questionnaire is it gives us enough information that we can do research ahead of time that when we get on the call with somebody, we can actually share with them some professional insights. Yeah. 
demonstrating our expertise instead of going, oh, well, you know, here's a customer who's been really successful and doing this dog and pony show. It's like, no, here's something, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, that mm-hmm. you can use in your business today. Here's an insight that we've brought to the table. Immediately demonstrating our expertise. Yes, we're giving yeah. away a little something for free. That's fine. But we've demonstrated our expertise. And I think this whole idea of demonstration is underappreciated. And that's what I noticed in this. I, I'd have to agree with that. And I think there's great opportunity for, for even a mundane business to figure out how to do a little bit of demonstration. Yes. Right. It seems like like there are, there are some things that just don't need it. And, and I think that's the mistake that, that Leslie made, right? Is she thought, well, this is pretty self-evident. Right. Right. You stack them up and you take them apart one piece by piece till somebody makes the whole thing fall over. But it's almost like driving a car. You can ride in a car your whole life and then you turn 15 and all of a sudden your hands are on the wheel and your butt's in the seat and your foot's on the brake and you realize what it actually means to drive a car. Yes. Right. Yes. Because you, you have no idea what that feels like till the steering wheel's in your hands. Yep. And your body feels the forces moving back and forth and forward and back. You don't understand Jenga till you've actually knocked a stack of Jenga down. So my challenge to people is figure out ways, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's part of your sales process, but really figure out what are ways that you can demonstrate yeah. the value of your product or service. And if you're having a challenge with that, especially if you're in the services industry, because I've done this with a lot of service providers, you got a challenge Mm -hmm. with that, give us a call. We'll help you figure out a way to do a demonstration. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. I've got to order a a box of Jenga now. You know, it's even more fun as the more beers you drink. Uh Uh-huh. I think think maybe the the giant Jenga set. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Next time we meet, sir, Jenga. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com.